opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right, friends. This is Willeen Shah, your facilitator for I Love Braille, welcoming you on October the 19th, 2023. This event is sponsored by the East Bay Center for the Blind and supported by the American Council of the Blind. Well, as you all know, the third Thursday is our Polestar of the Month Day, which means one of the participants shares his or her story with learning and using Braille. I Love Braille is fully dedicated to the issues related to Braille. May it be Braille promotion, Braille reading skills, Braille writing skills, electronic Braille, or any other aspect of Braille. And under that, category. We celebrate participants' achievements in his or her life and career using Braille. Our today's guest of speaker was to be Lisa Hall, as I announced. And it's a coincidence that someone who was scheduled canceled. And in the meantime, I heard from Lisa, I received her email that she would like to speak before I love Braille group. And she and I agreed via email. I sent her the link. And I also sent her a copy of the announcement that I made with her name. I'm not sure she's here today. So at least I did not see that name. Abraham, do you see Lisa Hall um, anywhere? No, she has not joined. Uh, okay. Yet. Well, anyway, we will still have someone sharing his or her story with, of course, focused on learning and using Braille in his or her life. So let's see, who would like to volunteer? First come first, anybody who raised hand Bulleen, first will be given a chance. Bulleen, it's Marsha. Yes, Marsha. Summers. Shall I go Summers? ahead and do it? I mean, I'm, I, uh, I'm okay today. It was supposed to be me today oh, and I canceled. I know, okay. So would you like to do it now? Yes, sure. Okay, we'll go see, ahead. We'll see, we'll see so Marsha Summer is our poll star of October. In fact, she was the one who had uh, agreed to do this, and then she had some situations, so she thought it's better to cancel. But somehow, she could make it today. So, wonderful. Yes, Marsha. Amazing. Um, yeah. Well, my we name is... want to be a little louder. I don't know. How you can do it? Uh, I don't know. You can you can stay closer to your microphone. I don't even know where the microphone is. Is this better? <laughs> I'm closer to it. Yeah. Is this yeah. She sounds, I think it will she, sound, work. she sounds okay to me. Yeah. It, it, yes. Uh, it was okay, but it is better now. So okay. You are still audible. Lisa just yeah. came in the room. Oh. Yeah, Lisa came. Okay, <laughs> now we are a little confused. Okay. Hi, Lisa. Can you talk to us? Okay, we are not able to hear Lisa yet. Um, Lisa, need you to need to button. find the got it button. And that is, you know, if you tab... Uh, you will find that guarded button and you need to press enter there. And so then you, you need to unmute yourself. So tab again. Okay, so you can press the F6 key. 
until you hear the notification that the meeting is being recorded. Then tab key till you hear the got it button and then press enter. Um, after that, you can press the alt A key if you're on a PC to unmute or control shift A if you're on a Mac. Hmm. Oh, okay. So, can you oh. hear me now? Oh, yes. yes. Okay. Okay. Sorry right. about that. I was no, we, to... we got you. We were about to get started with another participant who was willing to share her story. So, Marsha, would you mind if I keep you in November? You can keep me in November. That would be fine. That's fine? Just, thank That's you fine. so much. Thank you for okay. your flexibility. And okay. here's Lisa. Uh, Lisa, I was waiting for your bio. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't get a chance to send it, but uh, I will introduce myself. Well, you can include in your uh, presentation, all right? Yes, uh, so, I'll do that. Friends, uh, let me just tell you a little bit what I know about her, that Lisa, Lisa has long experience of working with the Clovernook Printing House for the Blind. It's a Braille production mm -hmm. house, pretty old, for years and years. Clovernook has produced thousands of magazines and periodicals and books, but Lisa knows a lot more than I do. So over to Lisa Hall. Thank you, Berlin. Uh Thanks for the opportunity to come and speak to you about Clovernook and why I love Braille and why I am in the business. I, <clears throat> I, I grew up in Louisiana, uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana. That was where I was born and raised in 1962 <clears throat> in December. And uh, I went to Louisiana School for the Blind and Visually Impaired. In fact, um, there were two schools in Louisiana. We had the Louisiana School for the Blind for the White. And we have Louisiana School for the Blind on Southern University campus for the Blacks. <clears throat> Back then, they were separated, but until 1978, they combined two schools together on one campus, uh, which uh, the campus I was on was on Government Street. <clears throat> and I grew up Learning Braille, I was in kindergarten for about two and a half years. Then they kept me there to make sure that my Braille skills are strong. I learned contracted and uncontracted Braille. <clears throat> I also learned the Perkins Braille Writer. The Slayton Stylist wasn't introduced to me until about the fifth grade. But a lot of the kids there were mainly using Braille writers, so they weren't using Slate and Stylus. And at that time, I didn't feel—I uh, didn't feel at that time that the Slate and Stylus was going to be sufficient in the classroom. Um, so um, I just felt like it was faster to use the Perkins. Um, one of the books I started in learning to read after mastering the contractions and the letters of the alphabet. And we, we used three by five cards, I believe, with, uh, they had one of the corners that were cut at the top for orientation purpose. And I had a teacher who was blind that worked with me in Braille. I also had another teacher who was cited that uh, worked with me in mastering the Braille. So while uh, the, this, those that are partially cited were working on the other things, they had me um, in a separate group working on Braille. So it, it was kind of how it all worked out. Um, excuse me for just a second. I got to change battery on my hearing aid and I'll be right back. It won't take but a second. I'm sorry for the 
things that happen. So if anybody has any questions, I can try to answer it. Uh, tell us a little more, you know, how you use Braille while working, uh, you know, your experience with using Braille. Okay. So, Lisa, would you like to tell us about a little more about um, she she asked to be excused for just a second to change her battery of a hearing aid. Oh. Okay. Oh. Okay, I see. Okay. Yeah. So then. Okay. Well. And then she invited questions, right? Yes, she did. Um, so let's so have far, hand raised. Then. So far, we have no hands raised as yet so okay. in place at alt and alt y or options y or star nine if you dialed in um or if you're on a tablet um oh we have a raised hand from Beth. um yeah i was wondering <clears throat> um I'm back now. I, I do apologize oh. for the okay. delay there. Now you started um, that school for the blind. How old? Yeah, you were. Where you uh, I was just... about. I was about uh, six years old. Oh, um, okay. When they had me starting. I so... I actually started in the middle of the school year. Actually, um, I think I started like in November of 1968. Oh. I think it was. Okay. And so how uh, far were you like from your parents? Because the reason I'm I was asking, about, I went to I was school about for the 500 blind. miles. Oh, yeah. It was like six, no, seven hours by bus. And by probably bus. about, uh, yeah, five and a half, six hours, something like that, if you took the bus, um, mm -hmm. the, Greyhound, the Greyhound bus. Um, that's usually how it is uh my parents drove me for the first i'm gonna say three or four years and then when i got in the third grade i started riding a bus yeah yeah mine was a school bus that i rode in and my parents drove me to like a stop where the bus picked all the northwest well part the part of iowa where i live um and uh, yeah, Lamar's, and that was where people from that area were picked up. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we, so, had, okay. we had okay. I'm gonna get back into my presentation now. Hopefully, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Battery issues will be squared away here. But mm -hmm. I became totally blind um, from birth, so I had what they call retinopathy of prematurity, or ROP. Uh, one of the old terms they used to use is retrolental fibrophagia. Um, so that's what the old term used to be. And so I, I, I went through school, like I said. I started learning braille mu um, music in the fourth grade. Uh, so I had piano and band. Uh, it's actually, I started taking band when I was in the seventh grade, I think it was, or sixth grade, I forget which one. Um, so it took me a while to find the right instrument. So I chose the flute uh, to play in the band. And I st stayed with it all the way through um, 12th grade. And I got... Uh, after graduating from high school, I decided to buy my own flute because um, I wanted to still keep the skills up. I haven't played it as much as I should, but I now, um, if I needed to go back and refresh things, I can download books from NLS, all the real music stuff that I can find on piano and flute and anything else that I want to aspire to do just a second sorry um 
I have my phone program for different alarms, so it kind of lets me know when I'm supposed to flop back in. But anyway, that's kind of okay. how that works. So, and um, let's see. I started in my work. Uh, actually, I, I had rehabilitation after graduating from high school, so I went to Arkansas Enterprises for the wine, which is now called World Services for the wine. Or world, I, I think that's what it's called now. Um, then that was back in 1983. I graduated in 83. Um, now, I did go to college, but it was a little bit later after I had um, eight years work experience at Louisiana Association for the Blind. Uh, worked as a clerk type receptionist. I kind of did a lot more than that. Uh, help with grant writing, uh, anything that the human services director needs help in uh, getting typed up. I did that. I used a couple of adaptive technology at the time, first uh, different equipment that I had on my own. Uh, my first uh, equipment I used was the VersaWorld, and it had a... Um, <clears throat> the model I had had a three and a half inch um, fluffy drive. And of course, the three and a half inch disc, you can't share it with other people because they all are proprietary and on the equipment that are being used. So you couldn't hand it to somebody that had a PC that may have a three and a half inch drive to be able to share data. You can be able to. Um, send it by email if you had to, but, you know, we didn't have email back then. Um, and then uh, I got the Berlin Speak in, I think it was uh, 2008. It, was, it had an uh, interesting thing because I started attending the National Federation of the Blind uh, back in 1985. Um and I've been a member of NFB uh, for 38 years and six months, I think, if I got that right. <laughs> Could be a little more, give or take. Um, so it started in April 2000, uh, in uh, 1985. And uh, every city that I lived in, I lived in uh, Shreveport for 32 years. And then I had an opportunity to move to San Antonio, Texas, and I worked for two companies. One was Quest Communications as a long-distance operator, and I did that for five years. And then I worked for Sears Home Central, which is part of the Sears Corporation call center, and I did that for four years. Now, while I was working for Sears, I, ha I had an opportunity to attend Northwest Vista College, which is a community college that had a Braille transcription program. And it started off being a pilot because they weren't real sure how many people, you know, would be trained to become Braille transcribers. And so I went through the class. In fact, um, they had to do some modifications for me. Uh, when it came to tactographics, there wasn't any way for a, a totally blind person to create tactographics. Uh, a lot of the materials that are used, they usually uh, use uh, computers that would do the, the graphics part, and then you have to write in the label uh, that would be uh run through the translator using Duxbury, and there's another program that's used for tactographics, but I don't know the name of it. Um, but anyway, it all went to that point, and after I finished my training as a transcriber, of course, I took the Library of Congress certification course, which I took the... Um, 20 lessons of the transcription where you actually do the, all the exercises that are listed in the book. Um, 
and you uh, you learn your letters of the alphabet, the contractions, both the short form and the alphabetic word signs, and all of your punctuations. And then toward the end, you learn, uh, which currently used in the UEB, you learn all the italics, bold, and um, underlined, and scripted uh, characters. Um, and those are learned toward the end of the course before they do the trial manuscript. I submitted my first trial manuscript by selecting a book that was in print. It was not, it, it never had been transcribing the Braille. So I had a reader that would work with me and I would put it into my Brailling speak um, in grade two Braille. And then I would go back and I would have somebody print the Braille copy of the file. Or actually, I would take the cable that came with the Braille and speak and connect it to a Braille printer and print it out. Um, and then I would proofread it in hard copy Braille that helps me check for formatting and that kind of thing to check and make sure that it's set up correctly. Now, once the uh, 35-page uh, uh, manuscript is ready, then I'll send it to National Library Service, and they would have somebody that would grade it. And I got a score, something like 96 out of 100 in transcribing. And uh, and it it worked out well, and then I progressed on, uh, and this was back in 2004 when I got the certificate. And in 2006, um, I was looking for work, and I found an opportunity in April 2006 where Clovenoak Center for the Wine was looking for a real proofreader. So I called the Human Resources and asked if they would accept a resume by email, and I submitted it. And then um, once they received it, uh, they liked what I had to offer. I had my sister to help me write the um, resume and fine-tuning it and making sure that things are highlighted where it should be for emphasis. And then um, I went through the second interview over the phone since I could not make it in person for the actual original interview with HR, so they had me do it over the phone. And then the supervisor called me and did the interview over the phone. I was still living in Texas at the time. And once I um, learned that I had been accepted for the job, I learned that they were not only looking for one proofreader, but they were looking for two. So they had another candidate that was from Arizona, and he got there before I did. So I, I was able to get there and started on July 10th, 2006, and I'm still there to this day, um, as a Braille proofreader, um, there are two levels of Braille proofreading. One is is what I call Braille proofreader um, that does reading with a copy holder. A uh, copy holder is cited. They would read from the print, and the Braille proofreader would read from the Braille. And again, it's hard copy. Uh, many Braille proofreaders do not have uh, Braille displays of their own. I happen to have one because I purchased it on my own. So that's one of the benefits uh, because Braille displays can be very expensive, uh, even for one to get unless they got the support through state rehabilitation agency to purchase it. And that's kind of how that works.
And no, no employer is going to wait uh, six to eight months for equipment to arrive. So my philosophy is have the equipment on hand and ready to go. So you, if you do get an offer, you can be able to accept it and take the job. And, uh, well, proofreading, I really enjoy doing the work. I do more than just proofreading now. Um, branch out into um, doing checking barrel page numbers in the bindery uh, before the book is or our magazine is ready to be shipped out. And, uh, in fact, we got one project going on right now called Books on Demand from the National Library Service. So we have the Braille e-reader manuals for both the Zumax and for the humanware e-readers. And Braille manuals are being produced at, at this time. And so we got a full operation going on downstairs that are producing those. And we have a couple of rail proofreaders that will check the page numbers and make sure it's accurate and get rid of any extra pages that we had that we come across, like blank pages, uh, duplicate, duplicate title page. Sometimes I would find uh, one of the title page of humanware that got mixed in with a uh, Zumax manual. So I had to straighten those pages out. Again, these pages have not been bound yet. They do not have the 19-hole punch yet, but they will be. Uh, by the time I finish everything, they're going to go through the next phase in the in where they get the hole punch and then they get the 19-comb um, uh, for binding uh, with the covers. And all of that will be ready shortly. In fact, a lot of it's being worked on right now. And I don't know how many that we've produced so far. Any questions? We do have a couple of <laughs> hands. Okay. And before we take a question, I, I would like to specify a couple of things because there are quite a few beginner learners here and they may not know some of the terms that we use. So one is transcribing. When we say transcribing or a Braille transcriber or transcri transcribing into Braille, it means, you know, converting the print into Braille. You just have a print book or a print material and you want to have it in Braille, you need to transcribe it. So that is called transcribing. I'm sorry, this is a big reputation for most participants here who know what transcribing is, but I know that there are a few who are new to Braille and they do not know these terms, I believe. Uh, another thing that I noticed when Lisa was telling us is about Braille and Speak. So Braille and Speak is an electronic device and you have like six keys uh, to which you can press as you need and produce a file. It's called, you know, typing in Braille and produce an electronic file. So that's just basic. There's, there's more to know about Braille and Speak, but of course now uh, that Braille and Speak uh, has changed a lot. So we will not go into details about that, but those who have not heard what Braille and Speak is, uh, just remember it's an electronic device that allows you to type in Braille and produce an electronic file. All right, why don't we take questions? Who is first? So Michael Moore is first Michael and next Moore. up after him is Dawn. Yes. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, I've seen you, uh, I've seen you in other places uh, as well. So, uh, uh, real quick, uh, I have a couple questions. First, about uh, Lisa, you talked about your your trial manuscript, and you have to have thirty five pages. Now, the manuscript does it have to be? You know, do you have to transcribe thirty five print pages into Braille, or do you have to use, or you have to get, 
you have to transcribe 35 Braille pages when you do your trial manuscript. Yeah, when doing a trial manuscript, it's 35 Braille pages. They have to be at least 25 lines with 40 cells across. Uh, Got it. If you have partial pages, in my case, I had probably like 42 pages because there were some pages of the book that were not full sheets. So what I did is I did a few more um, pages in the the body of the text to kind of make up the difference. Okay. Now, I think you mentioned it's minimum 35, right? Mm-hmm. You can do uh, 35 is the minimum. You can't minimum. go a little past that. But, you know, they say anywhere between 25 to 35 pages. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Lisa, you'd, met, you, you'd mentioned about your, about there's different levels of proofreading. You said level one was with the copy holder of yeah. the book. And what's the other type of proofreading? You said about page numbers or what's uh, the other type of well, proofreading that you do? The, the proofreader on the second level is is what I call uh, proofreading, where we proofread by ourselves after it's been read once. So I will grab a book or a magazine, and I would go looking for a certain detail, and I make sure if the, if there's something that looks different, and I'm needed to verify with a transcriber, I would go to a transcriber, whoever did the transcribing, and I would ask on Braille page such and such, and they would go to that print book that has the Braille page markups in the print book, and they would go there and I would ask them whatever question in the section that I may have a problem with. Okay. Wow, that's good. And uh, hey, it's glad to hear you. You were you were, you, know, you used the Braille and Speak way back when. I used the Braille and Speak too. And I think uh, I forget when they stopped making them. But uh, was it? Did you get was it like a ninety eight or something like that when you got it? I know you said two thousand eight. Um, it or whatever. was uh, two thousand eight when it first came on the market. I had I hadn't won the Braille and Speak uh, at a national mean, convention. So- Oh, because I think I first heard about it, and like, uh, well, I didn't hear about it, but I think the Braille Speak came on the market in like 1987, 88. Yeah, so, it, uh, it was like it was like 87, I think, it, when it, when it was introduced. I think it was somewhere yeah, around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, so uh, hey, it was, it's good though. Yeah, it was it so, was thank good you technology, very much. and of course I used the Braille yep. light, and then I moved from the yep. Braille light to the. Um, Let's see, I use the PatMate. I use that. And then I went from the PatMate to the Focus. Uh, in fact, nice. I'm using the Focus 40 Blue fourth generation, but I do have access to a Focus 40 Blue fifth generation. And they both work nice. very identical. Uh, one has a uh, scratch pad that allows you to take notes on the device, but uh, I haven't used that feature. Okay, okay great. Thank you. Thanks Thank a lot, you. Lisa. Appreciate it. Sure. All right. We have Dawn Milpuch. Yes, Dawn followed by Beth. And then Beth. Okay. I'm sorry. So, Lisa, I just want to say great presentation. So, I do have a couple questions for you, too. So, um, one of my things is, so, like, can you take a general transcription? Can you take the general transcription and then take the proofreading and then take the proofreading thing that complements that? And then um, can you submit all of your files to them? So, like, I have a Braille display and it can do stuff on, like, in BRF format. So can you send them a your BRF, can you send them your assignments and stuff in BRF format in an email and sec, you know, and the other thing too, you know, about your manuscript, um, the thing, you know, one of the other things is, you know, yeah, you know, I hear people talking about how they, you know, type it up in hard copy and stuff, but I think it'd be easier to kind of do that in 
like on my braille display and basically I, i'm just wondering how this stuff can kind of be done as a blind person because i know that there's blind people that have taken it but i all i can say is that i'm looking at a few things right now um with you know some decisions i want to make in my personal life but and this is kind of one of those decisions that i'm thinking about making sure as a general rule most uh, sighted people that have taken the Braille course uh, do become Braille transcribers. Uh, however, for those who are blind, uh, there's a little bit of a barrier when it comes to transcribing print material into Braille. Now, I do know with today's technology, it is possible, and I, I spent time doing this uh, a few weeks ago where I've gotten the, the uh, proclamation from the mayor of Cincinnati. Uh, in fact, one of the assistants sent it to me uh, by email so that I could transcribe it into Braille. Actually, they thought that I would have somebody do the transcribing, but because of the workload, I did not want to ask that one transcriber to transcribe something that was only going to be for me uh, to transcribe, you know, to be able to read uh, for the White King's Awareness Day. And um, I ended up transcribing the material myself. And what I did is I used my iPhone and my world display, and I used um, the voiceover as a screen reader, and, but I turned my speech off so that I could just focus on the Braille. And I would transcribe it uh, into hard copy Braille so that I could take it with me. Um, I don't own a Braille printer, and many blind people do not own Braille printers. They can be very expensive, yeah. like three to $4,000. For yeah. the trial manuscript, they usually recommend that people put it into hard copy braille. Don't send the BRF file when you're doing your trial manuscript. So they always recommend the hard copy. Mm, but you can do it in a BRF format if you... Yes, yeah, so you can it do it in a BRF format and you send it through an email. Uh, it can be done in a couple of ways. One, you can have a local instructor uh, that would grade your lessons by email and that can provide one-on-one -on -one feedback should you need it. Okay. And then the other way is doing it by email, which can be tedious uh, if you're having to wait several weeks for your report to come back to you giving you feedback on your transcribing of the lessons. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, another thing. So like the reason I'm looking at taking this course is because I'm looking at becoming a disability advocate for my state of Ohio, mm -hmm. for Ohio. I'm looking at that and I'm wondering like one of the things I'm not sure if I'm going to be doing this or not, but, you know, like, a, you know, I would be kind of looking at maybe insurance documents or something like that. Would I, would you recommend I possibly take the math transcription course along with, along with that in proofreading course, just in case, or probably not? <laughs> the math, the math transcription course, I personally haven't taken it. But the main thing, the literary braille transcribing course is going to teach you just the basics of braille. If you're going to work in a school setting, like a resource center uh, that does all the transcribing throughout the state of Ohio for the school districts, then you might have to take the math course. Uh, but I wouldn't recommend it right at the beginning. You need at least six months 
hands-on experience in transcribing literary material before you get involved in any, any textbook or uh, math. Okay. Yeah. Because I yeah. Because I'm just going to be doing it for. You know, mainly like if somebody comes to me and says, hey, they haven't put my waiver document in and in an accessible format. Can you put it into can you put it into Braille for me and do and email it to me or something? You know, mm -hmm. can you do that? That's what I would be doing, because I basically what I'd be becoming is essentially an independent provider. So I'd be doing remote slash virtual support, except I'd be mm -hmm. doing advocacy stuff. Right. <laughs> that makes right. Sense. right now in looking at the print document this is where you might need some cited assistance because there will be places in the document where they may have text that may be bold italics um or that would be on the line uh, or if there's a chart that may be in multiple columns. And of course, in Braille, we have to do the charts a little bit differently yeah. uh, because it's not possible to create columns. We usually have to create it as a, uh, as a one in three setup, usually with semicolons between uh, fields and the colon at, after the first field of each of the item that would go there. And it would just uh, do it that way. The other way is doing a share step where each column information would go two spaces more to the right from the other column of text. Okay. Yeah, I think, uh, Don, at least when I did, uh, you have to first get certified as a Braille transcriber, and then you can take Braille proofreading course. Now, recently, if they've changed anything, I do not know. And in order to take a Braille math course, you need to be certified uh, as a transcriber in literary Braille. Now, literary Braille yeah. means, I call it, you know, simple print, you know, practically uh, all our stuff like fictions and stories and things like that, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, so you may want to check with NFB because NFB runs the Braille transcription course that is approved by NLS. But you probably know that, right? Yeah, I yeah, I, I'm you just looking at everything I need to. Yeah. Okay. Jennifer. Yeah. Jennifer Dunham is manager of the yeah. Braille transcribing program got it, got it. she's in charge and she's in charge of both transcribing and proofreading yes okay good mm -hmm. okay let's and see she's what been in this has... field for quite a while so <laughs> <laughs> no no that's uh -huh. fine okay okay shall we go to beth now thank you so so much thank you don you're welcome okay for now it seems beth is our last hand so beth Yes. Okay. Yeah. Anybody yeah, else um, has a question, please feel free to raise your hand. We have time. Sorry, go ahead, Beth. Well, yeah. I, I was wondering, like, when you perf when when you transcribe or perforate, I bet you have to, I bet you have to um, be tested how many words you can read a minute, right? Or, or how, um, how many words they never so tested minutes. us on that, but I do read when I'm reading silently by myself. I usually I, I time myself. A while back, and that was when we have the um, we used to in the NFB, we used to have uh, a read a read a thon or uh, or the, where you would leaders, read braille leaders for so many pages, yeah, braille readers oh. are leaders, something like that, yeah, yeah. braille readers oh, okay. are leaders contest, yeah. uh, and they had it for specifically for the children, but they also opened it up for blind adults to continue to kind of help them keep their real skills up. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so you... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, go ahead. Go ahead yeah. with your other question. Oh, I was going to... I was going to ask, like, so, um, like, Clover Nook, do they get, like, books in, like, to be 
transcribed and then somebody like a sighted person goes over it with you and like before before it's published or, or you probably get the braille after it's published then like well, then what, what, hap what happens is it goes through first we have to scan it they have to mm -hmm. run through a scanner it's a it's a physical device that would take a uh a image of the text and it would uh put it into print and it would be saved in like microsoft word mm -hmm. uh, so that the transcriber can go through and compare with the hard copy print uh on the formatting and they yeah. will set it up and they will follow the braille authority of north america in fact, I was flying employee of the year in 2018 for Clovenook, and I had an opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. Oh. That's where I got to meet with congressmen and uh, representatives and and uh, try to help continue to save our jobs for blind people here and, and not only at Clovenook, but any other national industries for the blind agencies that have um, industries that are providing uh, manual labor type work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any, well, any thanks. Other I, I um, enjoyed, enjoyed you hearing you. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Beth. And, uh, we do have a couple more raised hands. All right, so, that's good. We got okay. 13 more minutes. So Okay, good. we have Nora up first, followed by Linda. Oh. Great. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. And um, I'm sorry, my, my brain's back <coughs> out. What is your name again? Um, I'm Lisa. Lisa. Uh -huh. yeah, hi, Lisa. Hi, I'm Lisa. And... Uh, I wanted to ask you, when did you very, very first uh, learn how to read Braille? It was back in 1968 when I started learning Braille. In fact, they had the letters of the alphabet at our desk that we sit at, and it was the letters written real close together, uh, letters mm -hmm. A through Z, and they would have it at, at each station. And so I would sit there and, you know, learn to recognize the letters. And then when we break up for our reading, we each were paired with an instructor and they would work with us one-on-one. Um, <laughs> and, and that's kind of how I learned Braille. And, it, you know, it wasn't difficult at all. And I learned to use the Perkins pretty early. That's, that's good. Did you, did you, um, did you go to public school too, besides the blind school? No, I never went to public school, but my mother uh, did work as a teacher's aide, and this happened after I lost my dad. So I lost my dad in 1976 in an auto accident, and I was about 13 at the time. And I told mom, I said, and my mother, she stayed at home and she. She was a uh, babysitter for parents who did have to work. And, of course, when that happened, she had to go out of the home to find uh, work. And, of course, because of experience. Just a second. I'm, I'm on the phone. Okay. Sorry. Uh, okay. One of, okay. Uh, one of the ladies that does the cleaning, she was coming in here. Something stressed now. So anyway, uh, getting back, um, I, uh, my mom was a teacher's aide, so she first worked with learning disabilities, with kids that have certain behavior issues that had a learning disability, and then after that one year, they switched it over to the vision program, and so she mainly did a lot of large print stuff. She did not know Braille. So my mom never did learn Braille. Um, she just never had an interest in doing it. So your mom was your mentor, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. 
Thank you. Okay, thank uh -huh. you. We can now go no. to Linda. Hi, Lisa. Thank uh -huh. you very thank you very much for your very interesting life story. What is the name? How do you spell the printing house you work for now? Okay, Clovernook is spelled C-L-O-V-E-R-N-O-O-K. Oh, okay. Thank you. Your accent, and, was, uh, your accent how, was getting a little bit in my way. <laughs> sure, no problem. No problem. Thank you. Uh, okay. uh -huh. So, Lisa, how long? Clovernook has been in uh, has been working for the blind. Sure, the mm -hmm. Clovernook Center for the Blind has been around since 1903. It was founded on a farm, um, mm -hmm. and one of the main missions is to provide employment opportunities for blind women and and men um, mm -hmm. in employment. They started off with making mops and brooms and um, oh, sewing well, and different things. Mm. Stuff, but that's what they started off doing many years ago. And then about 1914, Overnook started mm. doing braille printing. Oh, and wonderful. in Cincinnati, we have a, I guess, a huge printing uh, center <clears throat> of all things. So um, Clovernook's been doing printing since 1914. We produce 30 million pages a year. 30 million throughout. pages? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and it goes all over the, all over the world. Um, yes, of course. Christian literature, um, we get them from various entities uh, that we produce. So it and, has been there over a hundred years. Yes. Wonderful. And uh, uh, we have roughly, I think, 90 employees, I think, according to the website. I want to say we may have a little more than that, but I'm not sure how updated the webpage is. Okay. And they say about 75% of employees are blind. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, so, you know, uh, th those who do not know, Clovernook is one of the leading Braille production houses, and that includes National Braille Press and Associated Press. And there were a couple others, I think, uh, some of them went out right of now, business. Right now, we have National yeah. Braille Press in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. We have... Yeah. What used to be Associated Services for the Blind, but they got oh. out of they got out of the real printing business. So oh, they they're out of business. Okay. Yeah, okay. and and then we have um, National Braille Press, the, correct? Na National Braille Press, American Printing House. Yes. And then Clovernook. Those are the three. These that are, are the primary. Yes. Yeah. Top. You know, these are the top. Yeah, the top three. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, Those Rick has a question. Ones. Yes, we sure. have uh, Let's three go to hands, Rick. Um, and seven minutes to the hour. So, Rick, you can unmute, and then we'll, Amanda will we'll follow it. Okay, did oh, I hear wow. you correctly? You called me? People yes. are waking up now. Go ahead, Rick. Go ahead. Okay, just real quick. Uh, what we can think of as Braille now was not the most popular tactile reading format in 1914 in this country. It probably was in England, but we had something <laughs> like um, New York Point was the most popular at the time. Did Clovernook start producing in New York Point, or they went right to standard English Braille? You know, to be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure. Mm -hmm. I want to say it may have been used as New York Point probably in the beginning, but then you know that was probably quickly went into standard English Braille. Uh, because, right, so like um, in the 1930s was the transition. Yeah, right. and and yeah. there was a I know there was a period when I was growing up. Not only would I was I reading EVAE, which is English Braille American Edition, uh, but there were materials that were produced in like grade one and a half. 
but you have some material, part of it was in the regular grade two, and part of it was written like B, E, A sign, R, or something like that. I think that was the standard until sometime in the 1950s, wasn't it? And they changed to uh, the 59. 1959 1959, was when uh, the EVAE was adopted and started being produced. And in fact, the the 140, I think it's 145 volumes, I think, for the Royal Encyclopedia. Mm -hmm. That's the only one that I've seen. And then the 73 Royal volume of the Royal Dictionary that was done back in the early 1970s. I think it was wow, like early 1975. Okay. Something like that. And that was done by the American Printing House. And I think both of those were done by APH. Okay, okay I think we have three more hands okay. raised, right? Okay. Yes, we have three more hands three raised. More. We'll go to yes. Amanda. Uh, okay. And Michael Moore is there, but uh, we'll try to accommodate everybody. Yes. Amanda? Yes, hi. Okay. Hi, Lisa. Thank you for your presentation. Um, I was wondering, for your experience going through the transcriber program, was there something positive, something negative, um, just on your own experience? Do you have a good and a bad? Well, actually, I know as a, as a blind person, you do learn all the basics and transcribing and that kind of thing. Um, as far as, like, if you're doing a textbook and you have pictures and you have to write out the description of the pictures if it's relevant, um, because a lot of times the child won't, won't understand what's being shown unless the transcriber's taking the time to write the description. Some people may not even spend the time to do it. It just depends on how much is being displayed. And a lot of decisions have to be made as to whether to spend the time to write it. Okay. Uh, next one is uh, Jody. Yes. Uh, hello. Uh, hello, Lisa and Lean, everybody. Uh, thank you, Lisa. It was really interesting presentation. Do you happen to know if Braille International is still publishing down in Stewart, Florida? No, it is no, not. They're out of business. They, they got out. They got uh, out of the Braille business. Yeah. They did a lot. Okay, I used, they got out of business. Yeah, I used to live yeah. in the area. I remember. I remember they were there, and I had heard that they had closed. And Enabling Technologies was there too. And actually, right. Blazy yeah. Engineering was there too, and they moved to Tampa. Yep. Yeah, yeah but a lot of, a lot of that do not exist anymore, unfortunately. Dean Blazy uh, retired. But does. yeah, well, Blazy got taken over by Freedom, and is enabling technology still there? No, uh, enabling, no. Techno enabling technology is gone. It's taken uh, over by Humanware. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> okay, sure, thank no you, problem. and thank you for your presentation. All right, Michael Moore. Sure. Last minute. Thank you again, Lisa. I think I think um, does Cloverlook do they still print the the Bible for uh, Braille Bibles International? Yes. Okay, because I, when I went to see, I went to because about a year about uh, about four years ago, went out to went out to the headquarters in uh, Liberty, Missouri, and I guess uh, Craig Leeds, the president, uh, said that a lot of times you know, that uh, Cloverlook would would uh, print the print the uh, the volumes, and I guess Cloverlook would uh, send them back to Missouri, or 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 somehow get them get the volumes directly to the people who asked for them. Yes, so you know, and I I don't know who, um, and I I don't manage any of the um, databases for as who requests it and how many and those kind of things. Uh, but uh, I do know that we do uh, print them. And we shift them to whoever requested them. Thank you. All right, friends. I think no more hands raised. We are 
reaching the end of the hour. Streaming will be closed in a few seconds. So I wish a bye to streaming. And uh, I thank you so much, Lisa, for uh, making today's session so informative. Appreciate uh, your presentation. And thank you, Abraham. And thank you, everybody, for participating, asking questions, and joining in. I will see you all next Thursday. Until then, enjoy your time. Have a good week and week weekend. And take care. Bye now.